Welcome to Rome Community Bible Church, where we desire to become a worshiping community of grace and truth by sharing the love of Christ locally and globally. Not just any king, but the king of kings. The great I am has come to save sinners. In 2013, you may remember, going back seven years ago, Prince William and Catherine, they had their first child. Now, I remember it was big news, even for someone that was like, well, I'm an American, okay, but it was on all the news stations. It was this great news because that this new prince was being born, pointing to the throne. Well, we have news that was given in ancient Palestine, and then, like I said, go out into the masses. Now, the gospel of Luke is interesting. Luke gives a lot of paradoxes. He likes to kind of contrast things. Now, I won't go over all of it, but in verses 1 through 7, we see one type of king or emperor, Caesar Augustus. And so we see this one who was born, and he was ruling, and could have anything and everything he ever wanted, in contrast to really who Luke is highlighting, the one and only true king, the one who has all authority, Jesus Christ, who came from a heavenly throne, who is over the earthly throne, but came humbly. This announcement was that this birth of the Lord was, like I said, not in the headlines. It wasn't with a paparazzi. It was not even the fact that his birth was in some metropolis city, not even Jerusalem, but in a small town of Bethlehem to fulfill what the prophet Micah would uh, say. We sometimes know that the, the birth of Christ, we can romanticize it or we'll glamorize it, but really, it was so insignificant in that place, but yet so very significant for all of us. Jesus, who was born because they had to go to Bethlehem, marrying Joseph, and he was born in, um, basically it says the end, but it was like some scholars say, like the opening of a cave where animals would go to be housed at night. The residents of the city wasn't this big scene, wasn't news, wasn't at a hospital or even a home birth, but where animals are fed and lay down. But as I said, like news that we needed, great news coming at the perfect time. God is perfect in his timing. And when it came, when Jesus came, the news coming was perfect in his timing. We have it. Joy is among us. Now, I need to just say, uh, I know I'm using that word joy a lot. The word joy, as we have the Philippian studies called the birth of joy. And so as we have that, I want to just kind of continue going so we wouldn't forget. But truly, joy is among us. Joy is something supernatural. Joy is not based on circumstance, but it's something that's based on what Christ has done. And so truly, by Jesus' birth, joy is among us. The only way that you and I can have true joy is found in who? Jesus. So joy is among us. Israel was in an interesting position. In one sense, they were in an oppressed state. The Roman Empire came, and they ruled and reigned, and they put up different governors. And in one way, they were like puppet governors. They were all under the authority of Caesar. And so they answered to him, and they had a rule in that province or area because of who Caesar was and kind of keep everyone under Roman law. And so they were in an oppressed state. It wasn't like before in the glory days with David or Solomon. But their spiritual condition was even worse. 
This was a period of 400 years since God spoke to the Israelites from a prophet. In one sense, it was 400 years of silence. And like I said, God broke through that silence greatly with the birth of our Savior. But we need to remind ourselves that during this time, God was not distant those 400 years, but he was moving and working in his perfect timing as Christ would come on the scene. God is perfect in what he's doing. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 says, Now when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. When the fullness of time, meaning at the perfect time, what God was moving and directing all throughout history, even from the beginning of time, because God is the author of time, was pointing to this moment. Even in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve, when they fell, when God kind of pronounced judgment because of the fall, he prophesied or told them that there would be this one coming that would be the snake crusher. You remember that? The one that would step on the serpent's head. He's pointing to Jesus. This is the perfect time. The fullness of time was that the one who would conquer sin and death was coming. Jesus. God is perfect in his timing. Now, I don't know about you, but how many of you guys like being on time? How many of you it's hard to be on time? It's okay. I'm one of those that are like, I, I got to be on time. It drives me nuts if we're running late. Now, for late for me is like right on time. On time is five minutes early. And if I five, I'm five minutes late, it's like, oh, man, I'm like beyond late. I hate it. But God has blessed me with a wonderful woman to teach me otherwise. <laughs> and so I've grown to be somewhat more patient. But God, he's never late. He's never early. He's perfect in his timing. God is perfect. And we need to remember he does the same thing today. God's not distant and sitting back, even at times when we feel like, God, what about this? Or where are you in all of this? Or even through all the bad news, God, what are you doing? We may not always see exactly, but we need to remind ourselves that God is never distant. He is very active and intimate with creation, that he knows and moves and working because everything's pointing to, not we see the birth of Christ, but everything's pointing to Christ's return. That when he, we see that God or Jesus is making all wrong things right, he's not done with you or in you. Each and every day we are being, like we've been talking about through the book of Philippians, sanctified, being made into the image of Christ. And so we see Christ coming onto the scene. Now read with me, starting in verse 8. After, as I should say, after Mary gave birth, laid him in the manger because there's no place for them in the inn. In verse 7, verse 8, in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you, what does it say? Okay news? What kind of news was it? Good, good news of great joy that will be for all people. We'll stop there for one second. I want you guys, I hopefully you have that like underlined to just let that kind of sink in. What did the angel pronounce again? Fear not, for I behold, I bring you good news, what we call the gospel of great joy. And that will be for 
all the people. Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it has been told them. We'll stop there. The first evangelist of the good news was an angel. An angel came to pronounce the announcement that King Jesus was born. No other rulers nor religious leaders were invited to this announcement. But instead, they went to no names, just an occupation of these men called shepherds. It's interesting. Shepherds actually had a bad reputation during that time. It wasn't a profession that you really wanted to brag about. Like, hey, what do you do? Shepherd. You know, you'd say very quietly. You would respond as if you had to be a shepherd and really ever had to say to them, I get to be a shepherd. It wasn't one of those moments. But it's ironic because two of the most idolized men of Israel were what? Shepherds. Moses and David. Shepherds were known in the day of Christ as ones who were uneducated. They were unskilled except knowing about sheep or goats or what they shepherd were shepherding. They were viewed as dishonest and unreliable, so much so that they were not allowed to testify in court because their testimony was considered not valid. They were so low on the social ladder that they were one step above dogs. They were considered religiously unacceptable and unclean because they worked usually seven days a week. They couldn't fulfill the religious obligations of the day or being completely ceremonial clean. And so you have those that were considered outcasts, unclean, kind of this misfit group of guys that were there hearing it. It's amazing to think that the first announcement that Jesus was born was it in the palace of Herod? Was it on the streets of Jerusalem in this bustling city? But it was on a hilltop to a group of shepherds. This was intended with a purpose. This was no accident. It wasn't like the angel heard the instructions wrong, like you go to here, and they went and they're like, man, my GPS broke. I guess I'm going to go to this hilltop with the angel or the shepherds here. No, this was with intention, with purpose, to proclaim the news that Christ is born. Now, I believe... This is really, truly to show us a few things. First, was the purpose of Jesus' mission. Why did Jesus come? To save sinners like you and me. We do not stop at the manger or the birth of Christ, and that's it. That's the story. No, the end leads to the cross. The manger points to who, why the Messiah came. Christmas points to Calvary. Everything leads to why Jesus came. And that's not only his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. All of it 
Jesus came for those who are low in heart. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Or Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, talking about Christ, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and opening of the prison to those who are bound. This is why Christ came. Jesus is a friend to sinners. We read in the Gospels that the religious leaders would get upset with Christ because who he would have meals with. It says, you sit down and have a meal with sinners, tax collectors. And the Pharisees were like, why? In Matthew chapter 9, verses 13 through, uh, or I should say 12 through 13, says, but when he heard it, Jesus said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So I believe truly that the angel pronounced the good news with great joy to a group of shepherds, those who are lowly, those who are unclean, those who are considered outcasts, was because Christ came to save those who are unclean, the outcasts, the rebels. That's why Jesus came to save sinners like you and I who we relate with. We know that we're not perfect. We know that on our own we're not righteous. That's only found in Christ. Also, I believe that the announcement came to the shepherds because it shows of Jesus' role. Not just his mission, but also his role. Because Jesus is called the good shepherd, the chief shepherd. Micah chapter 5 verse 4 talks about Christ again. It says, how he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. And the majesty of the name of the Lord, his God. And they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. In John chapter 10 verse 11, Jesus says, that I am the good shepherd. Jesus related to shepherds because that's what he's called to do. To shepherd not just Israel, but to you and I, because he is the chief shepherd, as Peter would write about. Being a shepherd wasn't pretty or glamorous. It could be dangerous and messy because you start smelling like the animals that you're taking care of. But yet Jesus is a shepherd over the sheep, which were called, and the sheep knows his name. This is Jesus came to relate with mankind. Came lowly. The only way that we could be saved is because Christ, the perfect sacrifice, being both fully God and fully man, could take on the sin of the world. He did it for us to relate with us. I love also the fact that shepherds were just doing what they were doing, they were watching over the flock. And that's what they, their job description was. Hey, watch the flock. Protect them. Take care of them. Do what you're doing. Yet God breaks through the mundane to proclaim this wonderful news and reveals himself to them. Just like Peter, James, and John, Jesus called them when they were doing what they were doing. They were fishing. And he turns the tables on them and says, I want you now to become fishers of men. That's what Jesus, God does is he breaks through those mundane, we're called to do what we're called to do, but God shows up. That's the point. He didn't ask the shepherds to make themselves better to hear this news. Like, hey, I have an announcement, but before you do that, uh, clean yourself up, go do X, Y, and Z, and then come here. No, God came to them. The angel pronounced the news to them. 
And just like you and I, we're called to come just as we are. While we were yet sinners, what happened? Christ died for us. I'm so thankful because that measurement of what I should do to do that, I would always fail. Yet Christ came to us for the news. I love seeing my children play and be like children. Love when they, you know, have, they do their things and they start doing, and you know what I also love doing, especially with the boys, and they start kind of wrestling a little bit. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm getting in there, you know? And it's that point where I'm like, hey, I don't expect them to act like a parent, even though sometimes I may ask, ask them to do certain harder things or mature things, but I love being able to come down to them to play. God has done that with us. He's not inactive, but very active in our lives. So it was with purpose that the news came to shepherds first. Now, how did the shepherds respond? Look again at verse 9. As the news came and appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, they were filled with great fear. Uh, Yeah, I'd be afraid too. Can you imagine you're doing what you're doing all of a sudden? It's night, the sky lights up, and this angel, you're like, what in the world? And then it starts like something's happening. You're like, what do we eat tonight? Is the beans kind of messing up our tummy right now? What's going on? And yet, they had fear. But the angel responded and said, do not be afraid because of the good news with great joy. Charles Spurgeon said, earth's joy is small, her mirth is trivial, but heaven has sent us joy immeasurable, fit for immortal minds. I know good news sometimes can be subjective. For example, I could say it's good news that the 49ers won. And for some, they would say, that's not good news, that's bad news. It could be subjective sometimes, I get that. But this truly is the greatest news that's not subjective, but with authority. Because the problem is we all are sinners in need of a Savior. We can't save ourselves. If someone needs rescuing, they can't rescue themselves. They need someone else to rescue them. But no one is qualified to save or rescue sinners except Jesus. This is the news that came. This is why it's good news, the greatest news. Church, let me encourage you and remind you, because there's a lot of times we're like, well, if we do X, Y, and Z, and, you know, need to kind of be careful of what we, uh, I should say, promote and want to try to drive people to be attracted to certain things about the church, when I would tell you this, the greatest news that we can ever do or share, the greatest news that we could ever share is this, that Christ came to save sinners like you and I, That is the greatest news. Nothing can compare or compete with that. As a Christian, we have received that news. Wouldn't we want to share that with other people? If you have great news, wouldn't you want to? This good news does bring pure and holy joy. Psalms 4, 7 says, You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. David's talking as a shepherd saying, hey, that's great things when you could say there's plenty of grain and and wine and things that would kind of be exciting to say, hey, we're good. He says, but what's this joy that you put in my heart that's greater than that? He's always pointing to Christ as who God is. Church, we have the greatest news, true joy, holy joy that comes from Christ. This news, it says, will be for all people. 
Here the angel pronounced the intention that it wasn't just for the Jew, Gentile, Jew or Gentile, man or woman, young or old. It doesn't matter about race or creed, but it was for all people. That's why the gospel goes beyond all borders. That's why the gospel goes beyond all languages. Because the gospel is good news for all people. J.C. Ryle in his commentary of Luke said, Now has come the highest degree of glory to God by the appearing of his son, Jesus Christ, in the world. He, by his life and death on the cross, will glorify God's attributes, justice, holiness, mercy, and wisdom as they never were glorified before. Creation glorified God, but not so much as redemption. And so when the heavenly hosts gathered together, what did they say? Glory to God in the highest. Yes, creation cries out, but not so much as redemption. Glory to God in the highest because the Savior has come. He says, peace, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Because of Christ, sinful man can have peace with a holy God. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The believer can have peace with God because Christ dwells in the heart of man. Not only do we have the peace of God, but we could also have peace with one another. Peace knowing that we have go through trials, peace knowing that God is sovereign when we have the right perspective. We have true peace. He says, goodwill, or whom God is pleased with, is who does God favor? Who does God favor? Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. The only way that we could have favor from God is by Christ. And let me encourage you, Christian, that you cannot earn more favor from God because of Christ. You're in the best possible place. Man, you're in the best possible place. So you don't earn more. No, because of Christ, you're there. Man, you're secure in Christ. That's something that we hold on to. So we all stand guilty, sinful, and deserving of death. And here we see the pronouncement that everything would be different now. Christmas points to Easter. We need both the birth of Christ, but also his resurrection, which comes from his death. So let me leave you with this today. How should you and I respond? How should we respond to this news? Well, first, I believe hearing the good news should bring about praise. I do. It should bring about praise just like the massive angels were able to shout this praise, how much more should we? We get some heavenly language being spoken. The host, the heavenly host, what were they saying? Glory to God in the highest. Pure praise. I know I've asked that before, or asked you, but when have you just stopped and just been in awe of what the gospel is all about? That you just stop and say, man, glory to God for this good news of great joy. Glory to God because what he's done. When's the last time that that's overwhelmed you? That has stopped you and you're just like, let me think about that. That's why it's important to remind yourself of the gospel daily. 
not just because you could forget, but because you need to remind yourself, man, this is the greatest news, that you're loved by God, despite what you've done or who you are. Because of Christ, you have been redeemed for those who call on the name of the Lord. We have a Redeemer who paid for us. We have one who has atoned for our sins on the cross. We have one who has reconciled us with the Father. And even in the midst of bad news, this good news brings us joy. Earlier in this message, I, or in the beginning of the message, I mentioned about how we've lost uh, two godly men from uh, the church I came from in Riverside this week. One particular, about three years ago, I believe, they lost their son, he and his wife. And it's hard, you know, and, and the circumstances, but it was remarkable to see that here's this godly man who had such joy in the Lord, even through this heartache and hardship. That yes, there's grief but everything pointed to who got the gospel, what Christ has done. And I stood back and said, Lord, help me to have that joy like this one day when it's hard. And maybe you're in that time of life too where things are hard and the circumstances aren't good. The future seems kind of bleak. Let me just remind you, this is the greatest news that you've had because the things in this life, though they're hard, they're temporary in comparison to eternity with Christ. So the trials that we face, the circumstances are just small in comparison to the glories that await us. We need to have that outlook. Yes, this year is going to go down in history as one of those years. (laughs) But still, let me just encourage you and have that perspective. God is sovereign and he is good. And the joy that we have even right now is found only in Christ. You have that joy. It's from our precious Savior. So the gospel should bring about praise. The gospel should bring about praise in our lives, whether we're by ourselves or together. It should bring about praise. It is good news of great joy. Praise the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. Also, the good news should bring about action. I love reading that how the shepherds responded after the angels left. Verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, they had this conversation amongst one another. What they say? Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They weren't saying like, well, let's go in out of question. It was out of excitement. It was almost, they were like, I believe what I heard right now This is remarkable. The angel and the heavenly host, man, we need to go with excitement. Have you ever been excited to go somewhere? Maybe it's on a vacation. Maybe it's a trip to Hawaii or whatever the case may be. Man, I get excited when those things are coming. It gets on your mind. It's not out of question. It's out of excitement. Let's go. That's how the angels were progressing. I should say the shepherds were from the angels' news. It was out of excitement. It brought about action. They left to go to see Jesus. We need to respond the right way with the gospel, with the good news. How do we respond in action? Well, if one, it's how we should know is that the Bible, the gospel tells us, which is the good news of Christ, that we're called to repent and to believe. Repent means to turn from our sin. It's a turn and confession, saying, Lord, I'm sorry for how I've wronged you. My sin is grievous to you. It's horrible. 
but I also know that you saved sinners, that you forgive. Thank you. It should respond with action in your life, that you're reminded of what the gospel is and what it cost you. And then lastly, hearing the good news should cause us to share the good news. When my wife and I found out that we were having our, our first child, Ada, man, I, I was so excited. I would tell anyone and everyone, even going to the grocery store when I was paying for my groceries and the person that was at the counter, the register, I said, guess what? And they're like, what? And I'm like, I'm having a baby. And they're like, congratulations. I'm like, I know. <laughs> like, like, you're just excited. I wanted to share it with anyone and everyone. But we reminded, the greatest news is the gospel. The shepherds heard the news, and it says, what did they do? When they saw it, they made known the saying that has been told them concerning the child. They shared what they were told. They shared with them with what happened. They didn't keep their mouths shut. They said, hey, we're here because of this. They shared it. Remember, we have the greatest news that has ever been told. Do you share it? Do you share it? This is what we're called to do. These shepherds went not in order to believe, but because they believed. We too are heralds of this good news. And we're called to be witnesses to who Jesus is and what he has done. Do you believe this is great news? Do you? Just like how I was about having, being told I was going to have a daughter, I shared it with anyone and everyone. I didn't care. Even the person at the register, I'm like, man, I don't know if I'll see you again, but guess what? I'm having a baby. Do you have that mindset, though, with the gospel? Because eternity is at stake for some people. There's, the Bible is very clear that there's those who know Christ and those who have the hope of heaven. But we also know there's hell. For the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Church, let me encourage you. You got the good news? Go share it. Go share it. Be praying and saying, Lord, give me an opportunity. And guess what? He will. You may not know when, and you may be caught off guard, but we should be ready to share any time. In fact, let me go a step further. We need to live out the gospel. Live it out in our character. Live it out in how we are with this world. Live it out knowing that there's something more important that we, uh, that's at stake. It's eternity. So may we share it. May we respond in action and in obedience and repentance. And then also may we praise God for his goodness and grace because of the great news. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word, for this news that the, the shepherds heard by the angel. Lord, how Christ came to save those who are lowly, to save those who are unclean, to save those who are outcasts. And because of sin, Lord, we've been separated from you. Because of sin, we're unclean, we're unrighteous. Because of sin, Lord, we are lowly. And so I pray if there's anyone here that does not know you or who's watching right now, that if they do not know you, that they would turn from their sin now. That they would hear that this gift, this great news that was given is because Jesus came to save sinners, which we are. And the only hope of salvation is found in him and him alone. The Bible says if we call on the name of Jesus, we will be saved. This is an act of submission, that he is king. His act of confession, saying, I'm sorry. His act of repentance, turning from sin. 
Lord, is following after Jesus. And I pray that there would be some here that maybe if they don't know you, that they would. Lord, for the believer in this room, for the Christian, that they would have in their heart saying, thank you for the reminder of this great news. Help me now to not only look to you in awe of God and say, man, thank you for your redemption. Thank you for your love. Thank you for who you are. Lord, help me to want to respond in action that it should change us. Not just here and now, but when every day we're reminded of the gospel and why Christ came. And Lord, help us to share it. You tell us to go out into the world to make disciples. Lord, as soon as we leave here, Lord, we're on mission. We're on mission all the time. So Lord, help us live out missionally the gospel. Put into people into our path that may not know you that we get to share it with. We love you. We thank you for the greatest news that we have ever heard, that Jesus Christ was not only born, but he came to save sinners like us. Thank you. Be with everyone as they leave here, Lord. May your hand be upon them and bless them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. And if you would like more information, please visit rcbcbellingham.com.